right, welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast. Man, it's been a while, guys, but this is the Ken's Five Podcast on your San Antonio Spurs and life inside the NBA bubble. I'm Jackson Floyd. Joining me today, we've got Tom Petrini and Evan Klosky. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. We got a scrimmage tomorrow, so that's good news. Well, we got scrimmages today, at least, uh, for the NBA, but for the Spurs tomorrow. I'm doing all right, man. It is surreal. Uh, I, I can't believe basketball in some form is back against two NBA teams. It's not just Twitter clips of guys who I like dunking on other guys who I like. It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, I'm sick and tired of seeing highlights. I'm ready to see some, some, some new lights, if you will, you know, some, uh, some, some new things to, 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 to focus on here in the NBA. Um, but let's talk about what, what's been going on up until this point. You know, they, they took the time off. It's been, what, March 17th was the day they called it off, the, the put a pause on the season. Uh, so it's been four months now, guys. Um, you know, as the coronavirus situation continues out here, they've set up this bubble to kind of keep players intact. This is the, 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 the solution they came up with um, to kind of keep players safe, to keep minimize the spread of coronavirus among the NBA, which is a, a, a contact sport where, you know, germs and viruses and bacteria spread. Um, so they had to take a, a step here. Um, we were talking just before this, you know, they announced earlier this week, not a single player tested positive in the latest round of testing here in the bubble. Uh, so what do you guys think about the situation they've set up here? Uh, just overall, I mean, when you set up bubbles and we can talk about the, the ethics of a bubble because you need to test daily, right? That's how you're going to have success in a bubble. You test daily. Every time that you test, you find out answers. If somebody pops up positive, you're able to remove them from the equation. And every time you remove someone from the equation, you can't spread it. So they're quarantined and that's the way it goes. Now, there is an ethical side of this, whether the NBA or any other sports entity should be snatching up available testing, you know, where if we have in the state of Florida, they're getting housed right now by the coronavirus. So is that fair to the general public? We can save that debate for another day. But when it comes to life in the bubble, this is how we eventually want to be in the United States where we can pop coronavirus tests like they're Tic Tacs, something that we do with the flu. You get you get sick with the flu, you go in, is it flu A, is it flu B? Okay, you got this, get your Tamiflu, go home, stay away for a little bit. So um, as far as the bubble goes, uh, everything is running very smoothly. Um, I think Commissioner Adam Silver has always been someone who's valued uh, not only players' opinions, but also uh, health and safety first. Um, he's certainly like a, a player's coach in that regard. And I just think the the attention to detail that they've done throughout the time in the bubble uh, beforehand and what we've seen while they're in the bubble now has been extraordinary. Again, avoiding the ethical argument that we're tabling right now. I, I think that for it to have worked as, as well as it has is a credit to um, Silver and everybody else who has put this together. It's a, it's a dicey proposition any way you cut it because uh, like you said, Jackson, it, Basketball is a contact sport. Um, whether whether you ban doubles ping pong or not, these guys are going to be banging in the post and breathing on each other. Uh, that's how the bas- game of basketball is played. Evan, our uh, governor in New York, gave a, a pretty funny rant months ago about how you, if you play basketball while, while social distancing properly, you're not playing basketball well. <laughs> so these guys are going to be in contact with each other. But what we're seeing in the bubble is – because they have such stringent uh, testing in place and procedures in place, um, oh, you went and got Postmates, you're out for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Sit in your room and think about what you did. Um, when, they, when they're taking it that seriously and testing that much, it's easy to take people who, are, who could potentially spread it out of the equation. And when you do that, the virus has nowhere to go. Um, so... If, if you can do that safely, um, that's, that's a, a really good thing. We've still got till October uh, until the NBA Finals. So, Yeah, you don't want to uh, declare victory early just because you had one week of no positives. You know, there is a lot right. ahead of them, as you're saying, to October. It, yeah, it's, 
You, you go, Jack. I was just going to say, and it hasn't had its hiccups. You know, like you were saying, there have been players who have been caught kind of sneaking off campus for food or getting in touch with a Postmates person to get some wings delivered or something like that. Um, and we've also have seen people leave the bubble. You know, there's been a few people leave for personal uh, emergencies, family emergencies. Um, there are people who are planning to leave for the birth of uh, children later on down the road here. Um, and Adam Silver is going to come and go from the bubble as well. So there are, uh, you know, holes in the bubble that they'll have to tighten up the the whole quarantine issue we saw james harden come in he has got to spend um what 48 hours on the quarantine before he can interact with his teammates that's passed uh, obviously by now um so i mean as long as those holes as long as the bubble stays together you know the bubble doesn't pop then then you're, you're set yeah right. and and honestly i mean unless there's going to be a group of nba players who just say screw it and maybe you know we get a month down the line and some of these players are getting antsy, but from everything we're hearing from the players right now, I think, you know, we just spoke with Jakob Pertl today actually. And, and he said that the bubble experience has been better than he thought that it's, you know, it's, it's great because you're spending so much more time with your teammates. You know, normally you're spending a lot of time with your teammates on the road and then you get home and you go to practice and you have your life at home here. Uh, you know, I've heard the AAU comparison uh, and you're playing cornhole and ping pong and uh, just it's basketball and, and, you know, eat, sleep and basketball to a T. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic. It would have to take a certain breach of the protocol for this thing to pop. Uh, there's no presence of the virus as far as we know from what statements have had and until there is i mean there's there's nowhere for it to spread and to really take over the bubble you know so until we get some bad actors who want to try to test those limits um it it, it should be good it should be good and then you brought up the uh, the cornhole and the ping pong um i've been loving following the uh spurs social media as they host their uh tournaments here uh, as Spurs players get along, uh, get get into the cornhole and the ping pong, and they're playing with equipment managers and trainers and Spurs staff who are down there as well. Evidently, evidently, athletic development coach Kelly Forbes is quite the ESPN the Ocho watcher. I mean, this dude has now won the cornhole tournament and the ping pong tournament. I'm just upset Chip England didn't show us his cornhole shot. That's the, the <laughs> I want to see his technique. That the shot he's got there, he's probably got the stroke. Uh, and, but you, you mentioned the, the bond it's like the rodeo road trip right these guys are stuck together and they always credit the rodeo road trip as the time that these players gel uh we've seen it in the past when you know lamarcus aldridge it's his first time with the team you know his first season with the team he talks about it wasn't until the rodeo road trip that he started feeling comfortable with the guys really getting to know the guys because you are stuck with each other in, in, in close quarters for a while and so i'm excited to see that for the spurs here in the bubble but that's something yak said today was like you know it, it was only it's only them. They're, they're the only family they got there. And, and as you said, you know, people are leaving for family emergencies and, and things of that nature. Uh, it, it just kind of reminds you how, how complicated this is. And, and there is, you know, obviously there are athletes making millions of dollars to play basketball and they're holed up at a resort in Disney. Oh, boo hoo. So they can play basketball. Oh. And yeah, people want to want to dump on that, but they're, they're spending time away from their families and, and that's a difficult thing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're still, we're still very early in this. So, um, and I know, I know some people are already like, I miss my dog. I miss my, my family. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, how that element of it plays out over the next few months as, as well as the, the coronavirus part of it, because, you know, we, we've seen a lot of people being cautiously optimistic about the, the health and safety part of this um, because anytime you get good news, that's good news. But um, you know, as we've seen from, from just the general response to coronavirus in this country, you shouldn't celebrate that things are good in May uh, because there's still July and August and you need to, stay vigilant so that July and August are just as good as, as May was. So it's, um, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch just the, the logistics of this um, and, and NBA basketball. I mean, for, for as long as, as they can sustain it. 
So, I mean, it'll be interesting to watch uh, from that perspective. I don't know if the basketball from the Spurs perspective uh, will be the most interesting. They're going to be without their best player, LaMarcus Aldridge, who had surgery in April. Um, they're without Trey Lyles, um, who's going to miss time with an injury as well. That's a very shorthanded front court. They've brought in Tyler Zeller, whom um, I think has played um, – he hasn't played in a couple of years. Like Thomas played more significant basketball in the time uh, between uh, the last time Zeller played a, a significant game here. By, and uh, by the way, I did, I did hear that the Spurs actually were very interested in Bender. Uh, that was their first choice over Zeller. But I think Bender actually has some personal things going on. Like he's got like a best friend's wedding or whatever it might be. And he was not going to be bubbled. Uh, that was just something he didn't want to do. So I just want to put that out there because that is something I heard uh, that Bender was choice number one. And then, then they went down to Zeller who is going to get playing time. Yeah. He's, I mean, does that scare you? Yes. I just thought him getting yammed on by Keldon Johnson. <laughs> like, Oh God. The, the, the highlight clips that the Spurs have been posting like it, it feels like they're cyberbullying Tyler Zeller because it's only him getting dunked on or jelly rolled at the rim by by these young guys, and it's like, you know, I I think he can come in and play like spot minutes and just be like a a veteran backup big man with some experience. I'm not expecting him to to really move the needle on the court at all. I think. You know, even even a guy like Drew Eubanks might have more like playing the game of basketball upside than Tyler Zeller at this point in their careers. But the the thing that Zeller brings is uh, a little bit of veteran leadership at that position because remember you're not just without Aldridge and Lyles, who Lyles was in the bubble and now he's out of the bubble because he he had appendicitis. Um, the bubble burst inside of them. Oh. <laughs> right. We don't know if it burst. Maybe they got it out in time. But uh, in, in any case, you're without, you're without those two guys, and then you're also without Tim Duncan, who is in San Antonio with his family and helping LaMarcus Aldridge rehab. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's about depth at the position, yes, but – I don't know how many how many minutes we're going to see Tyler Zeller actually play. Depends if Chimezi Metu's out of the doghouse. Uh, you know, as as we've been saying, five years ago in February, he he was, uh, you know, kind kind of on pops pops list for whatever reason. But maybe he's been showing something in practice. Maybe maybe things have changed in that that regard. We'll have to see. You mentioned two names there that I'd rather see get playing minutes over Tyler Zeller and Drew Eubanks and Shemezi Ametu. I'm totally fine with the Zeller move, as you mentioned, for a veteran leadership perspective. Um, I, honestly, I don't know how much leadership he can provide, but at least he's providing some veteran veteranness, if you will. Um, right. Veteranness. He's old. He's old is what we're saying. Um, if it, he's old. <laughs> five to eight minutes. If it gets to 10 minutes, I'm a little more worried. I'm tell, I want to warn you right now, it could get to 10 minutes. I'm going to warn you right now, it could get to 10 minutes. Play Metu, play Eubanks. Honestly, if they want to go small in the starting lineup and slide Rudy Gay into the power forward position to start and uh, against, uh, right next to Jakob Pertl. In some of these lineups, Rudy's going to be the biggest guy on the court. I, yeah. like, I mean, they're going to play yeah. – small ball without actually calling it small ball sort of deal. I mean, it's just going to be out of necessity versus like the Rockets, what they're doing. But yeah. um, I, I also want to go on a side tangent here. How awesome is it to see the Spurs videos on Twitter? Because like we never, ever, ever get an inside glimpse into anything with the San Antonio Spurs. That's why like we have to really piecemeal things from the media's perspective of just like what we hear, uh, you know, the small things we're seeing and just kind of like, take a little like birdie in our ear and just run with it. But like seeing practices and seeing some lineups, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun to like look. And like, that's why they send out those six second clips. And I'm out there to like, just jotting down like, okay, it's this person, this person, this person, the starting yeah. five. Places. Just because I like to see the different lineups. It's like it's, this Zapruder it, film, you know, you're going through with the bullets <laughs> back into the left. Right. So uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny to, to watch though, because like, like I, I wonder if Pop knows that they're tweeting those videos out. I bet if Pop knew what tweets were, he would be pissed. Like, I bet he would not be down with that. He'd be like, why are you spygating, like, our own practices and then tweeting that out to the world? 
I imagine Pop doesn't give a crap. Uh, just based on the attitude he's got here, he understands the situation the Spurs are in. This is an uphill battle for this team, and I think he is using this more as a time to, to get the team to gel and to talk about bigger issues. We'll talk about those bigger issues later on in the podcast as well. Um, but like this is a very – like we mentioned, they're without Aldridge, they're without Lyles. Uh, Duncan is one of their top assistant coaches. They're without him. Coming into this, I think the Spurs were kind of rated as one of the bottom tier 22 teams. I'd agree with that. I think there is a handful of teams whom, since the bubble uh, began, um, have, have kind of dropped below them. The Nets are going to have a very uphill battle. Uh, the Kings can't get anyone on the court, you know. Uh, they've had uh, an outbreak in there. So. are equally a mess like the, the Nets. So are we looking for them to continue the playoff streak here? What are we watching for here, guys? You know what? First off, let me just say, I'm just going to be so excited to watch basketball. Like, it's one of those things where I think before the season ended, you know, we got all caught up in the streak and all that stuff. And just the number one thing for me is we're going to watch the Spurs play. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But to, to get that back in our lives, to just have something like that return, I think is such a big step in this whole process as – we are still very much in the middle of this pandemic. We don't know when the light at the end of the tunnel is going to come with us stepping out and being able to sort of live the lives that we once lived. So just like having a glimpse of that with the NBA coming back is just, that's my number one takeaway. Number two, um, yeah, you know, just like everyone's been barking at since, you know, nine years ago, November, uh, you know, we want to see Lonnie. We want to see Keldon. I, you know, would love to see Quindary or Luca. I don't think it's 100% necessary. But, you know, you just kind of want to get the summer league feel. Um, you just want to see how they're interacting. I would love to see a bit more creativity from the Spurs to understand if that's a direction they can move in in the future. They have to figure out if DeMar can work with this young core uh, that we've been talking about with everybody that's in their future. Uh, they need to figure out if Jakob is the guy to sign. I mean, between Jakob and DeMar, I think that if you're the Spurs front office and you're Brian Wright, you need lineups um, around those two guys and tinker around them to just see, okay, like, um, does DeZante, Derek, DeMar, Jakob, and Rudy work? The, you know, like, does, you know, okay, take out Derek and put Lonnie in there. Does that work? And just see if there's, like, some sort of winning combination that you can feel optimistic about because we still have no idea what DeMar is going to do. We lean towards him opting out, but it depends on the salary cap. And, you know, yeah, you know, again, based on the salary cap, I just don't know if the Spurs are going to be able to, to get Yak if, um, you know, the cap is dropped and DeMar opts in. Like, it's going to – create a lot of questions, but those are some of the things going through my mind. So I, I think pop said it really well um, this week when he was asked uh, about this stuff. And he basically said that, um, you know, there, there are tiers of teams in the NBA. There are some that are, you know, vying for a championship. There are others that feel like they've got a shot at the playoffs and there are others that are more focused on development. And right right now, he said the Spurs are more focused on development. He said every one of these guys wants to compete. Every one of these guys wants to win. We all want to make the playoffs. Um, but right now, their focus is on um, you know developing these players, getting these guys experience, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> trying new things and new lineups, and new guys, and seeing what these younger guys have to bring to the table. Um, if, if we're talking about some hashtag bubble goals for, for the Spurs here, um, I, I want to see Keldon Johnson. I want to see him play pretty heavy in rotation, and he might play some at the four with all of the injuries in the front court. Um, but everybody that has talked about Keldon Johnson – seems to absolutely love the kid. Um, you know, from DeJounte talking about him, not, not just as a player, but as a person, like coming in, bringing great energy, uh, not just diving after loose balls, but just smiling all the time at everybody, no matter what room he's in. Um, and on top of that, he's, he's a pretty darn good basketball player uh, who 
pretty much the only part of his game that isn't already at a high level is his three-point shooting. So I want to see him knock down three-point shots. I want to see more Lonnie Walker. I want to see more of DeJounte and Derek White together. That's something that in the five-month basketballist vacuum, uh, four-month basketballist vacuum, we've heard a lot of people from outside of San Antonio be like, hey, wait a second. Why don't Derek White and DeJounte Murray play together? That kind of makes sense, right? Like, yeah, we've been <laughs> we've been yelling that for a while. Uh, so hopefully we see some more of that. Um I, I don't think that the goals for the Spurs in the bubble can be defined by wins and losses, making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. There's there's too much still up in the air about all of that. But, um, you know, I, I will feel really good about it if they all come out healthy and if they come out of it with a little bit more clarity on where this team should be going and what some of these young guys can do when they're all together. Um, I, I think those are really the, the most important things for the Spurs coming out of this. If they, if they make the playoffs, that's great. If they don't, you know what? The postseason streak continues anyway, just not the playoff streak. So it's whatever. Yeah. We're back to this. <laughs> we don't have to stay there. I, I just want to reiterate for anyone who may have missed our last episode. Oh, man. I'm glad, yeah. That, that loophole is still open there. Um, I'm with you on the, the youth movement. I, I really want to see, I mean, even if Luca can get some tall, Luca could get some playing time here. That'd be great. Um, Cause he really hasn't played with this team. He's been in the G league. He, he so might I, out of necessity. Yeah. Awesome. he might. That's a good point. I, I lean towards, I think Luca towards the back half of these eight games than maybe the front half. That's the way I kind of. Yeah. It playing out in my head. Yeah. I, I, and the, the person to me who's got the spotlight on him though, is Lonnie Walker. Uh, and I think, in a way, he put that on himself in a positive way. He came forward. He opened up about the abuse he'd seen in his childhood. Uh, talked about taking a step forward in the time off, you know, uh, overcoming that. He even shed the hair, you know, the hair that he said he'd grown so attached to that he used as as kind of a, a, a mask or a uh, or some sort of pr- protective device, right? Some shield against uh, the abuse and everything that was out of his control in his, in his life. And he talked about taking that next step forward, being healthier, being uh, in a in a better place, so I want to see how that translates on the court. You know, uh, I'm love the guy off the court. He he's proven himself to be, you know, in in the lineage of Spurs players. All of them have been, all the great ones have been better off the court than they've been on the court. We talk about, you know, Tim Duncan and the service he's done towards the Virgin Islands, David Robinson and the community outreach he's done here. Uh, Lonnie Walker was on the front lines of Black Lives Matter protests here in San Antonio. He was on the, uh, there the next day to help clean up as well. Um, and this is a Patty. very big summer for him as well. Patty is another guy like that, uh, just a, an immense activist um, and a, just a, a dude off the court. And Side note on Patty, I don't think anyone got thicker in this time off than Patty did. He looks like if you took the lead singer of the Counting Crows hair and photoshopped that onto the rock, um, that, that's Patty Mills right now. That dude is thick. He is yoked. He is, uh, he's ready to play basketball. Um, Patty's I, body transformation is always so funny to me. Not funny. It's awesome. I mean, good for him. But it's, it's a little funny because every time Coach Pop talks about Patty, he has to mention that he's like, oh yeah, he used to be a little pudgy guy. <laughs> like every single time without fail. He's like, oh, remember when Patty was kind of chunky? Yeah. But As, yeah, he's, he's swole now. I'm excited to see that. Um, I, I've, the youth is where my eye is going to be. As long as Evan, like you're saying, they get those two big questions addressed. Let's look at Damar. Let's look at Jakob. And then let's look at the youth. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do here. I also, I think I heard that what DeMar, uh, the Knicks want DeMar. Is that, is that a, a valid rumor? I mean, I we need, we need front court players and the Knicks have them all right. So we're, yeah, we're, I would be very, um, yeah, I, you know, we'll save the off season questions for when we get there. Right. And DeMar was asked about it. And every time he's asked about it, he's like, I haven't thought about it. And, um, you know, I understand people are like, oh, he's lying. Of course he's thought about it. Like, yeah, maybe he has thought about it. But, like, even if he has thought about it, would you want him to say that? Would you want him to be like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it? Yeah, no, you'd jump down his throat for that. Never any, like, you know, I always love this, by the way. Uh, 
See, we as, as fans or media members, whoever, we all want transparency. We want honest answers. And then when we get an honest answer, we jump down our throats and we, we talk crap. So it's like, like you can't get transparency if you're going to be a jerk about it once they do the response. So until we change that sort of paradigm, then we are um, we're stuck in this limbo forever. Yeah, it's to- definitely lose lose for the players in that situation. So yeah, he's gi- he's giving a media savvy um, and also team team savvy answer because if there is speculation about it, then it it brings a, a cloud over the whole organization. So the the smart thing to do as a player in that situation is dismiss it out of hand pretty much and say, I'll, I'll think about that later. And as media members, I think that's a that's a smart thing for us to do as well. Uh, you know, focus on what's in front of us because what's in front of us is pretty uh, interesting and exciting. I, th- I think you were wrong earlier, Jackson, when you said that the basketball wouldn't be interesting. I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be fascinating to watch. Will it be any good? I don't know about that, but we'll see. I'm excited yeah. to see. I'm interested to see. I think you're exactly right there. And we're going to see it tomorrow. You know, they've had their first scrimmage Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday. So Thursday, they're scrimmaging against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Interested to see what lineups they roll out. Interested to see who plays. We know Lonnie Walker is a game time decision uh, dealing with a lower leg, but he'll be fine by the time Friday rolls around uh, to play the Kings in their first resumption of the regular season game, right? Yeah, I I think so, right? Uh, And might that be like an old injury update? Like... Or is that, There's a good is that chance new? it is. There's a good chance it is. I'm not sure how up to date uh, the NBA's uh, injury reports are right now. Uh, I'll double check on that there. When they do take the court tomorrow, uh, there's going to be a lot of different things. And the NBA kind of released photos and their plans for that. There, there's no bench. You know, the bench seating is gone. That's going to be interesting to figure out. The press is back out there. Obviously, no fans. Uh, the biggest, I think, that the most notable, if not the biggest change to it, is going to be the three words written across center court there, Black Lives Matter. And I think that's one of the things that players have spoken out about as one of the reasons, like one of the main things they're focused on in this return is making sure that conversation that sparked up in May and June around the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor um, among countless other deaths that they've been, uh, that have been discussed in this time um, that the conversation around racial injustice and social injustice hasn't, isn't lost in the bubble. Uh, And that's something the Spurs have spoken about uh, throughout their time uh, to the media. Tom, you've been asking questions, Evan, you've been there too, listening and, and, and involved in those conversations there. What are you guys hearing from the Spurs? Um, first off, yeah, I want to say that percentages-wise, maybe uh, today, again, is Wednesday. The questions with Patty and Yak leading into the first scrimmage might, might be one of the first days that we've strictly talked about just basketball. Um, honestly, out of the gates, I mean, it was really 10% basketball, 90% social justice. Um, and we've kind of we've evened out those percentages, but the fact that those questions are still very much uh, at the forefront. Just today or yesterday, I forget, uh, Marcus Smart um, answered all of his questions, you know, justice for Breonna Taylor. I, you know, it's still very much at the forefront of our minds. And what if you're uncomfortable on the other side of this, um, these players – this is what is important to them. And uh, regardless of, of the vantage point you're looking at it, you know, if you're going to consume the product, you have to understand the people in that product and what they fight for and what they care for. And this is a very, very important issue, not just, you know, for the NBA to step on its platform, but for our entire country right now, um, running side by side with, with the pandemic. So the fact that the NBA has gone through the proper lengths to make sure that this is very much at the forefront of our mind is great. Uh, I think the fact that the players have done their parts, uh, whether it be uh, shirts, uh, we saw you know Popovich with uh, with with his shirts, uh, D'Antoni with his shirts, um, you know countless players continually are bringing it up. So they're doing their job, and I think that's, that's been very nice. And it's important to remember that these athletes are not just 
these hunks of meat that are out there in the court for, for our entertainment. Um, it's their job to play basketball, correct, but they are humans. And as humans, they're allowed to have a voice and inherently their voice has a platform, uh, whereas others don't have that platform and they can use it to the best of their ability the way they see fit. Other people can do it different ways, but um, you know, it, it's, been, it's been cool to see. It's, it's you know, kind of realigned us into what's important and enjoying uh, the, the vice of basketball while also remembering the importance outside of the bubble. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of players and obviously Coach Pop has always been outspoken on these issues. Um, they, they don't want the message to be lost in the games and um, – you know, we see a lot of people say, oh, I I wish politics could stay out of sports. I, I just want this to be like a nice distraction. Um, and those players would probably say that that person has missed the point um, because for something Rudy Gay said stuck with me um, the other day. He was asked if, um, you know, the some recent comments from the president had made uh, his his energy, his resolve to fight for racial justice stronger. Um, and his response was essentially, I'm a black man in America. You know, this is something that I'm always going to care about and always going to fight for. Um, and that's an energy that Pop has said for a long time, white people need to bring to the conversation about race because you know if we want to we can walk away from these conversations um and not listen and ignore and you know choose to turn a blind eye to what's going on and um you know so that's something that i've i've heard a lot from pop is that that white people need to challenge themselves to um not just be not racist but be anti-racist and we're we're seeing these players use their platforms um, to to bring attention to to these issues. Derek White is wearing um, shoes to honor Elijah McClain, who was killed by Aurora first responders uh, responding to a call about a suspicious person. Um, and so, when when we see these players talk about these issues. Um, we shouldn't look away and we, we shouldn't, uh, we, we should feel uncomfortable because it is uncomfortable, but some level of discomfort is necessary to move forward. Um, through all of these interviews, um, we've cut together probably a half hour of Spurs players and coaches, um, talking about the issues of racism and systemic injustice in this country. Um, pop to the point of, uh, you know, sharing a New York Times magazine article with all of his players and, and the world saying you should read this. Uh, and it's the case for reparations in this country. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot here and it's something that um, it's important for everybody to listen to and, and be aware of. Um, and it starts with pop putting into perspective, um, just how important basketball <laughs> has been relatively in the last, uh, couple months. Exactly. So we're going to let the Spurs do this, do it in their own words. You know, we can only do so much in summing it up. Let's let the Spurs speak for themselves here. As far as basketball is concerned, uh, I did nothing. I didn't watch one film, look at one play, look at one stat. It's, it's basketball, as I've said many times before. Uh, you pick that up very quickly, like riding a bicycle. My time was more spent uh, with family, uh, like a lot of you probably reading, thinking about where we are, looking at our country, figuring out where we might go as a country. Uh, all the... Uh, thoughts that became even more 
pronounced because of the virus and because of the situations where we had a lot of time to think or to be alone uh, or to change course in our lives. So that's, that's where my time was spent. Uh, you know, we talked to the players, we did our Zooms and uh, tried to stay in touch that way. But uh, as far as basketball is concerned, uh, it was quite unimportant. From an intellectual point of view and a medical point of view, I would have to say not probably, but I am safer here. If this bubble works, I'm safer here than I would be in Texas, uh, for sure, as you see what's going on there. Uh, and since the decision was made to do this, to, to start the season again, under these circumstances, uh, with all the precautions, what a great opportunity uh, to make race a upfront, uh, basically uh, most important uh, activity that happens on a social level while we're here. Uh, people will enjoy the games, and as you said, you know the athleticism and uh, you know the, the losses and the wins and the excitement, but. Uh, the message that the league wants to send is one of uh, equity and uh, no injustice for anyone and making sure people have to think about it every day. Uh, whether it's a coach or a player speaking up, uh, it's the momentum that we have to keep and the league can be a great communicator for that. And uh, the coaches, the players, the league are all ready to do that. Uh, and I'm very proud of them all for it. And like I said, I think that the NBA um, and each team have done a great job of creating this platform and, and voice for us to be able to, um, you know, approach the you know, systemic racism and the, the social justice by having Black Lives Matter on the court. It's just a small thing, um, but to acknowledge that, you know, this bubble, you know, with the remainder of the season and the playoffs is just really a small part when, when you when you think of it at the end of the day. So for us, for, for them to be able to create this platform for us to, to focus on that stuff is important. Like I said, Black Lives Matter on the court is just a, a small thing. You know, we need to be able to put actions to, to those words on the floor. I think everyone realizes what we have here, uh, what has been produced, how important this is. And just like any other people, uh, any other individual over time, uh, people become more aware, become more outspoken, uh, become more satisfied and feel more responsible about making statements to make things better for other people. And I think at this point, uh, our league, uh, our players, our coaches uh, are totally committed to that. And there's, there's no going back. Uh, this is a move forward, get it done sort of situation. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to go anywhere. I mean, it's reality. I mean, it's, it's my reality. You know, I mean, I can speak from my perspective. That's not, that's not something that's ever going to leave or something that you're just going to forget about. Um, now the president commented the way he did. I mean, do we expect anything different? <laughs> you know, so I think right now, while we have the momentum, um, I think this is the time to to speak up and be as open about the situation as possible while we have the momentum. But I mean, does what the president says really affect that? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, guess, I think that could give us more momentum, but I think us is, us, well, me, I can speak from my stand for being a black man and, and other black men. I can't speak for other black men, but I know, you know, this is this is our reality. So, you know, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to be about. And, you know, George Floyd's death um, was just a tipping point. I mean, you kill a man on, on tape, you know, it's... I mean, at that point, what else is there to talk about? I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It's right there. And that's enough to, to drive us to be able to speak out on what's wrong. So, Well, uh, when we meet 
for the first time this afternoon after this hiatus. Uh, for my team, it won't be any different than what we've already been doing for a long time. Uh, this isn't a new uh, emphasis for us. Uh, for the last two decades, uh, it has been uh, in the forefront of how we approach uh, creating a family, uh, developing trust and understanding, and moving on from there. So uh, it's just a continuation, but probably uh, with, well, not probably, with for sure, uh, more feeling, more factual knowledge, uh, more empathy for how much hurt, how much fear, how much inequity has really been uh, imposed upon uh, the black community over years. Uh, and you, know, you can put specifics in there. I, I, as, as much as we've talked about it, as many people as we've had come and talk to our team or books passed out, all that sort of thing, uh, even for people like myself who sort of think we've had a good feel for the injustice and the inequity, uh, we didn't know crap. Uh, and mostly it's an educational thing. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, the police and we talk about laws that have been passed and we talk about voter suppression and so on and so forth. But the thing that really came home for me and this is probably will be an emphasis with our players. Uh, and it doesn't matter that majority of them are black. Even the young black players didn't get that education that is necessary to change culture. Uh, no matter what law gets passed, uh, it, it doesn't keep somebody from putting a knee in somebody's neck if that person is a bad dude. Uh, culture keeps people from doing those things. Accountability uh, so specifically, I had no idea that from about, uh, from the civil, from the end of the civil war to about 1950, 6,500 lynchings. That's hard to, that's hard to fathom. You know, as Nicole Hannah Jones said in her article in the New York times magazine, uh, what is owed that's two lynchings a week for four decades. Mm. I, I, I can't fathom that. I can't. Yeah. So that, that type of information uh, makes it even more critical that enough is enough. It's got to stop. It can't be thrown under the rug. Uh, and that's where I hope we'll be uh, to educate even more, more specifically to get the truth out. So that the myths are busted and the comfort level, as I've said before, of white people uh, is totally destroyed uh, because it's impossible in my mind for we white people to accept wealth, privilege, when we know, when the virus has made it so obvious how unfair, how cruel the system has been. You, you can't go on and enjoy your life if you don't understand what has happened to so many. Well, I can't speak for fans. I mean, fans are like anybody, any other group of people. Uh, some will get it. Some will understand. Some will just enjoy the games and move on. Others will uh, hopefully get involved in being part of the uh, solution of being anti-racist. Uh, but that's a pretty individual thing. Uh, they, they hopefully will feel the responsibility to act in the right way. Well, uh, as we all are well aware, it's a, it's a uh, seminal moment in the sense that we have an opportunity to do something transformative if we have the courage. And as with many things uh, in today's world, 
interest wanes pretty quickly, uh, no matter what the topic. And in this particular situation, talking about racism, it's been talked about many, many times uh, over centuries. And this is where we are. So uh, the league, the players, the coaches, the staff, everybody is very committed to keeping it uh, up front in everybody's consciousness. Uh, even though everybody's excited to go play, uh, this is a great opportunity to make sure that we maintain uh, the momentum because uh, that's what it takes. You know, it was the same way with voting rights, which of course are now in danger in, in the LGBT movement. Uh, no matter what mm. progress has been made, it's always been because of pressure. It didn't happen because people just said, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, people, governments, politicians were forced into doing things. Um, I, th I think it's uh, um, an important topic for us to, to keep alive in the very first practice. Uh, we spent the first 20, 30 minutes just talking about it. So, Rudy? Um, and yes, I, I, I did change my name. Um, so, I'm going to have Black Lives Matter on the back of my jersey. Um, I think it was just cool because we were. We're, we're able to hear people's stories on um, people that were willing to talk um, about the stuff they've experienced personally. Uh, so you just get to know some people a little bit more than you knew them before. And um, I mean, just come together as a team, um, having the same common goal, which is to make the world a better place. So um, I, I think it was cool and you know, I learned a lot from it and it's something that um, we all can learn from each and every day. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. Um, I mean, obviously some things that we can keep within the team, but uh, um, just some things that, stuff that we don't talk about in the history books, stuff that we aren't taught in schools, um, stuff that need to be talked about in schools and taught and learned. So um, Pop was talking about some New York Times article. Um, he's going to give to all of us, which will allow us to learn some more. So um, I think that's really an important thing is just to know the history um, read and learn, and so that's just what I took from it, that um, we can always learn more and um, d dive deep into the history books more. Yeah, it was probably the, the best uh, way we could start um, by being back together again um, from, from being apart for so long, because um, it, it's obviously a topic that everyone is um, not only so passionate about, but directly involved in. Um, so it, it you know, it came across a real um, genuine, um, interactive way where, where you know, a lot of people um, played a part in, in that conversation, um, you know, and, and opened themselves up to being able to have these open and, and honest conversations. So um, it was a great start for us just to be able to um, come back together again after being away from each other for so long. Um, you know, and, and I think that, an environment like this, um, you know, is, is, is good for us. It's, it's good for our um, team and our organization. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of the national team when, when we go on tours over to Europe um, and we're away from home for, you know, a month, two months at a time, just playing basketball. So this is the type of environment that we're in, in this bubble. Um, you know, so, so I think over the course of this time, if we look at the big picture and, and where we're trying to go, you know, this is just a, a small seed that can, um, you know, hopefully we can grow out of. And of course, Jackson, you mentioned it before, Patty Mills and his efforts in the community. You know, he's done so many great things here in San Antonio, but we also know the efforts that he has in Australia, his, his native country. He's actually donating his entire game checks, his entire salary that he's going to make in the bubble and it's going to go to Black Lives Matter Australia, uh, Black Deaths in Custody, and also the We Got You campaign to sort of end social injustice in sports in Australia. So, you know, in spite of all these uh, concerns, um, I've made the decision to, to go to Orlando. Um, and, and I'm proud to say that I'm taking every cent earned from these eight games that we're playing, um, which for me will turn out to be 1 million 
$17,818.54 and donating that directly back to the Black Lives Matter Australia, um, Black Deaths in Custody, and to a recent campaign um, that's called the We Got You campaign, dedicating to ending racism in sport in Australia. So I'm playing in Orlando because I don't want to leave any money on the table that could be going directly to black communities. Um, for the first time in my career, I have white people, teammates, old teammates, old coaches, uh, telling me that they never knew the level of racism that exists in sport, especially in Australia. Uh, and haven't, they haven't felt comfortable asking me, you know, as a black Australian about racism before at, at this depth, um, which speaks to the impact, I guess, and, and value of the Black Lives Matter movement and the millions who, who participated in, in protests around the world. Um, which is why I think that the we, this We Got You campaign um, comes at, at a perfect time and why I'm donating every dollar of my earnings over the, the next eight games uh, uh, to the organisations that, that matter the most to me, my family and, and community. So, uh, look, I, I'm looking forward to Orlando um, as an opportunity to be able to launch my mission um, of race and, and social justice. Um, and, and I'm very eager, just like I am on the court, to be able to rise to the occasion and make a direct impact. I guess, you know, to, to be able to um, get fellow Australian athletes, um, majority athletes across all sports in Australia, uh, to make a commitment of support with their own teammates in, in, their, in their sport, um, to change the sporting environment throughout all sports um, by eliminating racism at, at all levels um, and, and starting today. So people within leadership positions um, of the sporting industry can implement the necessary measures to er eradicate all forms of, of racism, all forms of racism, um, from grassroots to elite levels, um, across all sports and across all levels. This, this is what this campaign uh, uh, is about. Well, Patty is uh, without doubt, you know, the spiritual leader of our team. He embodies uh, empathy, uh, awareness, uh, the ability to be uh, actionable after he speaks about things. Uh, he's a very special human being. So, uh, having him here for this length of time in the program, uh, it's been a thrill to watch him, as you said, grow uh, from just a guy who got signed and really didn't have, you know, a role or uh, he was actually a little pudgy dude and wasn't sure whether he was going to stay in the league or make it or anything like that. It's gone off the charts with development. Uh, but as a human being and a member of our society and a, a leader on our team, he's been fantastic uh, and he feels it you know he feels it for uh, the racism in in our country in his country Australia and all around the world uh, he he's doing things to try to write it and uh, try to make the world a better place he's he's very special yeah obviously I've um, you know I've been able to um, pick a lot of things up from him, you know, and, and obviously everyone knows him as a as a coach, um, uh, you know, a very well-respected coach throughout all major sports. But, um, you know, and, and it's a big part, what, part of the reason why I, I've been here for so long is, is all of the stuff I've been able to learn um, from him um, that doesn't necessarily relate to basketball, it relates to everyday stuff. And, and that has helped me tremendously in my uh in my growth, in my development, as my upbringing, I guess, as, as an adult. 
Um, so as it relates to this stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's genuine, it's, it's passionate, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not stuff that, um, is, is new to me, is new to him or, or new to this organization. You know, we, we go about our business the, the way that, um, we see best fit and, and continue to do stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you, uh, you see an opportunity and, and you just try to make the most of it too. Yeah, I mean, Patty's amazing. I mean, on the court, off the court, just who he is a person is incredible. And I mean, I had a lot of respect for him um, since my rookie year, just how he's welcomed me to the team and always had his hand out, try to help me. And then um, for him to donate his um, game checks to a great cause, I mean, that's just the type of guy Patty is. I mean, he did the coffee game thing um, earlier in, during the quarantine, stuff like that. It's just, um, it's great to see. Um, Happy to be a friend with him, and um, he's a great person, and he does great things for the community. It's been heavy, mate. Um, a lot of different emotions, um, heavy emotions, a lot of conversations with a lot of different people. Um, you know, but but my belief is is always, um, you know, being able to have those emotions, but it's how you react to that. Um, and, and how you handle it from, from that point on. And I think, um, you know, the protests that, that, that has gone on, have gone on, um, has captured the eye of the people that it, it essentially needed to. And the phone calls and text messages and emails that I've been getting um, have been for those people. So, you know, now having the platform that I have and, and having, um, the input I have is, is being able to go about it the way that I always go about things. And, and, and that's the high road. Um, and, and to be able to, you know, really think about how I can um, make a, a direct impact here in, in a positive light. But I think now's the, a great time to be able to dive into, into that stuff. And, and back to my point earlier too, about this being a, um, what we can control within the sporting environment because this extends obviously to, to much wider um, but hopefully if, if we can make a, a massive impact and, and the, the right changes within sport then hopefully that trickles out in, into everyday life. John Lewis was a civil rights icon and a 17-term congressman. He spoke at the March on Washington at age 23. He was beaten on Bloody Sunday at Selma two years later and he was arrested dozens of times making what he called a good trouble. When he passed away, here's what Coach Popovich had to say. He's someone who uh, we all knew of. I mean, I didn't know him personally. Uh, of course, he's been such an iconic figure for so long. It's, uh, it's hard not to uh, feel the loss of somebody who's been so important uh, for our country. Uh, he's a, a rare combination of an abundance of courage and at the same time, uh, amazing humility. You know, nothing was ever about him. Uh, it was always about the work that he wanted to do uh, in trying to make this nation live up to its promises. And that I always thought was really, really special about him. He was always hopeful. He was always uh, ready for the fight in a good way and pushed. America. Uh, he pushed uh, the white privilege. Uh, kind of ironic. Uh, you know, white privilege and white supremacy uh, kept those promises from being fully realized. And he, who was downtrodden, uh, made sure that he never gave up and he continued to push this country in the right direction. So uh, he, along with many others, obviously, but uh, he was one of those special people that uh, now that he is gone, you, you really feel uh, an absence, an absence of decency, an absence of uh, you know, righteous effort uh, for, for justice for everybody. And hopefully we can move on in a way that honors 
what he did his whole life. Uh, you know, the, the opposite of what's going on now with the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, so all those politicians who are praising Congressman Lewis on the one hand are the same people who uh, are willing to gut the Voting Rights Act that he worked so hard for. Uh, that, I think, is disgusting. Obviously, this is a really complicated issue and nobody has all of the answers. Um, but these guys are very thoughtful about these issues. And so Pop and Patty had a few thoughts on what the fight will be like moving forward. It, it starts at home, to be honest. If the first move can be someone can put your arm around them and say, mate, you know, we got you in this situation. We know we, we don't know what you're going through, but I want to be here to, to support you. The next part is having that, that open and honest conversations um, with whoever it is you need to have to be able to develop that empathy for those people that are in less privileged situations than yourself. So to be able to have that discussion with not only the majority, but to be able to assert, you know, people of minority to help guide that conversation. Because if you just have it with yourself, there's going to be questions that come up that you won't be able to answer. And I think that was the best part of the discussion last night is having that conversation guided. Um, because until you can develop that empathy um, for those people that are in less privileged situation, how, how are you going to understand? How, how are you going to really understand um, what people go through and, and how you can help? And then after that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's calling it out. It's being able to, to call it out and, and not in a, non, in, in a violent way, but in a non-violent way and don't put yourself at risk. Um, but it's all those little measures, and I've just mentioned three, but, but it's all those little things that I think um, the majority of people don't understand the impact that those little actions can have. But I can tell you firsthand from my experience growing up my whole life in sports and in schools, um, that, that it does. And I, and I think that that's my message in, in this case is to those people who are unsure about um, wondering how to go about this thing, um, you know, those, those little, those simple things like just putting your arm around and start saying, we got you, like that goes a, a massive way for, for people that's been in situations like myself and, and everyone else. Uh, well, you know, I don't have all the answers obviously. Uh, but it's, it's, of course, frustrating. But think about how frustrating it is for black people. So my frustration <laughs> is totally meaningless. Uh, my frustration has to be turned into uh, taking every opportunity that arises to call out what needs to be called out in that regard and basically take no prisoners, so to speak. Uh, we're talking 400 years here. Uh, we're talking people that uh, are in their 30s and 40s and are scared to death for their children. And we can go on and on with that sort of thing. So uh, because that still exists, uh, because politically we know that there are movements uh, like voter suppression uh, still calls for people to that uh, black people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. People who still don't understand that the wealth difference has nothing to do, uh, you know, with with marriage or education or anything else. It has to do what uh, the labor that has never been paid for uh, for all this time. So uh, what, I, what I hope for is that educationally and empathetically, uh, our society changes, mostly because of the impetus of this virus has made it so obvious to everybody uh, that this wealth gap is the biggest problem we have. And we have to make sure we, we aim high, I think, uh, 
I'll give you an example. You know, a lot of cities are talking about the eight that can't wait as far as police uh, policing is concerned, and that's all great. Uh, but we need to get to the point where on multiple levels, actions are being taken. Sure, you know, with the police, uh, especially police unions, but uh, more than that, we have to get to the reparations discussion. Uh, and I would just, if you guys will allow me, I don't, and, and young lady, I don't know how many young ladies there are, but uh, it would be really helpful and people of good conscience who do have empathy and do see the inequities and if they do bother them, I would suggest they read uh, the article in the New York Times Magazine from June 28th by Nicole Hannah-Jones. It is amazing uh, because it helps you understand from the very beginning why we're in this situation. Uh, we, you know, none of us really, well not, none of us were educated about what Reconstruction really meant. You know, when we all learned that Lincoln f f freed the slaves, he's a hero and the slaves are free. That was it. There was nothing else. And to this day, there are millions of white Americans who still live by all these myths and have no idea about what actually happened in Reconstruction and what happened when Reconstruction turned into redemption and what all that the Jim Crow laws meant and all the specifics that she talks about uh, really give you an education that we never had. And I'm sure even a lot of young black people have never had. Uh, and I would suggest it for anyone because I think it's a, a template for at least understanding where we are, why we are, and how we have to get all the way to the reparations uh, discussion and not just wait for legislation and laws. We, we've had those. Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Big Fundamental Podcast. We'll be back next week to preview the first regular season game against the Sacramento Kings. That game is Friday, July 31st. We'll also play a fun little uh, memory game to see uh, if we remember who is, uh, what, which player is at what team, you know, have some fun with uh, how long it's been since we've seen basketball. Uh, be sure to tune in to Ken's Five for all of your Spurs coverage. Evan Klosky has you covered on air. Tom Petrini and I have you covered on digital at kids5.com, on the Ken's Five Facebook, and on Twitter. And be sure to follow us at Big Fun Pod, at Real Tom Petrini, at Evan Klosky, Ken's Five. What's your handle there, Evan? I'm blanking there. Yeah, that's right. At Evan Klosky. At I Evan keep Klosky. There you go. And I'm at Jackson Kins 5. We'll see you guys next week. I guess.